uh, in our front yard, um, in our house in, in Hendersonville, we have an old tree, an old white oak tree. It's like somewhere between two and 300 years old, we think. It's really hard to tell. Um, I think Mickey Beelan came over and he said something like that, two to 300 years old. He wasn't exactly sure. It's hard to tell without, you know, examining the roots or examining the, uh, the rings and the stump. You know, I, I think that, that tree's old, right? It's massive. It's like 200 feet tall and, you know, 10 feet around. But then I found out about this tree in California called Methuselah. You heard about this tree? It's five, they think it's about 5,000 years old. And you may know that there are very few thousands of years old trees left on the planet. Um, But there are, you know, when you see these online or if you get to see them in person, they are symbols of resilience and adaptation. But at first glance, when you look at this at Methuselah, I mean, the first time I saw it, I thought it was dead. You know, it, it just, it doesn't look healthy or even alive. It's dry, and there are little to no signs of life. And I think similarly, we can look around at the church, this 2,000-year-old body that, that spans time and space, and we can ask at times, is there any life here at all? It can look dead at times. But I want to say, when you get closer, when you look a little more closely, much like this tree, You don't see perfection, but you see a spiritual vitality. Spiritual renewal is the reason why the church has maintained this spiritual vitality throughout the centuries. This renewal and periods of decline, much like our church in America at least, is in. Throughout the Bible, you see that it's periods of decline that actually are, that precede periods of renewal and revival. And so, yes, we can look at the church and say, is there life here? It's shrinking. So many people have left in droves. Generations have gone. And yet, we, I think, are on the cusp of something massive. What is spiritual renewal? What is revival anyway? Uh, The 20th century historian J. Edwin Orr, I like his definition, He defined renewal as times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. It's simple. That's what renewal is, a time of refreshing in the presence of God. Do you want that? Do you want to be refreshed this year? As we head into a new year, do you want to be renewed and refreshed? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. But to catch you up, some of you are new to our church. Welcome again. Um, during Advent, we were in a series about, all about glory, the glory of Jesus who has come to earth to save. But before that, we were about for eight months in a, ser- a series of sermons on the Holy Spirit. And we're picking that sermon series back up today. And very basically, the Holy Spirit is out to mediate the, the presence of Jesus to us, to bring about Christ's presence in the church. And the Holy Spirit makes much of Jesus in our lives, and he reminds us just how deeply we are loved by God. And he causes us to revolve our lives, to orbit our lives around Christ, rather than asking Jesus to revolve around us. That's one of the things that 
the Spirit does. As he, he brings to remembrance all that Jesus has taught. So we live under his lordship rather than trying to make ourselves the rulers of our lives. And this all happens through spiritual renewal. Again, this, this times of refreshing in the presence of God. And we're going to look at spiritual renewal from four different angles this morning. Why we need it, how we experience it, um, what it does in us, and then who it's for. So those four things. And I, with all that said, I wonder if you might stand with me um, to read this passage from Titus chapter 3, all about spiritual renewal. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Uh, Spirit of the living God, would you fall afresh upon us this morning? We know you're here. We just ask that we would be aware, more aware of your presence. Come and speak through even me to these people, all of us who are so needy for your renewal, your refreshing. Whether or not we're aware of it yet this morning, we are in need of your renewing work. And so come, Holy Spirit. You are welcome here. We are desperate for you. It's not by our might. It's not by our power. It's by your spirit, says the Lord. And so come, Holy Spirit, and do a mighty work in us this morning for your glory's sake and for our good. May the words of our, my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing I want to do is look at why we need spiritual renewal. So a little background for, uh, you know, letters of Paul is always helpful. And I found this outline online. Um, it's really helpful. General Pauline letter outlines. Grace, I thank God for you. Hold fast to the gospel. For the love of everything holy, stop being stupid. And Timothy says hi. That's basically, if you want... Uh, uh, you know, the letters of Paul in a nutshell, that's it. <laughs> Gospel. Timothy says hi. Stop being stupid. Okay. So what is this, this letter of Titus? How does that relate? Paul's letter to Titus is set in the island of Crete. And Crete, you may know, is just below Greece in the Mediterranean Sea. Um, and Paul had finished a, a journey to Crete in which he uh, had planted uh, a bunch of new churches. He was a church planting machine. And in order to see that these churches were properly established, he, he set uh, elders over these churches, pastors. And Titus was one of those elders that he uh, set over the church in Crete. 
And if you read the letter uh, from beginning to end, it would take you about seven minutes if you're a slow reader, maybe five if you're an average reader. It's really short. Um, very quickly, you notice that there's a problem that Paul wants Titus to address in the church in Crete. He's, and the problem is false teaching. And Paul says this, they profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. And this was the fruit of the false teaching in their day. They profess, they talk a big game about knowing God, but their lives deny that they even know Jesus. And this is what Paul wants to nip in the bud. He is telling Titus to, to bring, to address this head on with the gospel. And he reminds him in our verse, we'll pick up in verse three, of just how much the gospel had transformed the people of Crete. You, just very quickly, Crete was famous for its immorality, famous for its sin, essentially. And so, but Paul says the gospel is powerful enough to transform your lives. And so I want to, let's look at verse three, just to see how far they had come. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. And I want to kind of hone in on one, uh, one word here, slaves to various passions. That word passions um, you've probably heard us talk about it. Uh, Tim Keller, the late Tim Keller, wrote a lot about this word um, because I think he helps us connect the Bible with our day and age. That was one of his gifts, is connecting uh, the truth of the Bible 2,000 years ago to 21st century people. And one of the things he says is, the, and he says this about over-desires, these passions, is the main problem of our heart has is not so much desires for bad things, but our over-desires for good things, our turning of created good things into gods, objects of our worship and service. This is the default mode of the human heart, turning good things into ultimate things. And this is why we need spiritual renewal. So Paul reminds the Christians in, uh, in Crete, this is who you were. And yet he's saying very quickly, you need to be renewed. This is who you were, but this is not who you need to remain being. Now, in this first week of the new year, most likely you've done some sort of assessment, self-assessment, and you've been thinking about your own you know, habits uh, in this new year and reflection on last year. And you probably have asked, you know, what am I lacking in my life? What needs to change in me? And some of you have a vision to be a healthier person this year, to, to have a stronger body and to eat better and to get to the gym more than you did last year. And so you intend to work out, you know, maybe hours every week, some of you. Now, I want to say this, very basic, but, but it's helpful in this passage, that all of our goals as we make them for this new year, they're actually all aimed at uh, a vision for renewal. Our habits, right? Going to the gym is just one example, is aimed at becoming a new person, a stronger, fitter, healthier person. That's a vision for renewal. And so our habits need to line up with our vision for renewal or it won't happen, right? You could have bought a, a pass to the YMCA. Some of us go to the YMCA a lot. 
Now, you could have bought a YMCA pass already. You're like, you know, I spent all my money in the bank to get that pass uh, for the month. I'm excited. And you might even get there. You know, you might even walk through the doors and scan your tag. But if you don't go to the machines, if you don't pick up the dumbbells, if you don't get on the treadmill, your vision for renewal will not take place. This is so obvious and so basic, but I think it's easy for us to disconnect our habits with our vision for renewal, our spiritual renewal that we are all longing for. Mark Sayers says this, we will not experience renewal by following the same patterns of life and ministry that are not delivering renewal. So we can often spend our whole lives filling ourselves with things that don't satisfy our hearts and don't truly push us towards Jesus, but actually, at the end of the day, make us more self-absorbed. And so I want you to begin thinking, what do my habits cause me to be? What sort of vision of renewal are these habits driving me towards? Physical health is good. But as Paul says, physical health is of some value, but godliness is of eternal value. So do you have habits that line up with your vision for eternal good, eternal flourishing, eternal well-being? Jesus wants to move inside of those of us who are tired of the status quo, whether we're dry, we're numb, whether we feel lifeless inside or idolatrous. We all need spiritual renewal. And oftentimes, we're just looking for it in the wrong places. So how do we experience it? That's my second point. How do we experience spiritual renewal? Here's the amazing thing I want you to see in these next few verses, that Paul, again, he expected the gospel of Jesus, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ to produce godliness in the, in the church, in Crete, this place that was famous for its sin, famous for its idolatry and immorality. Do we expect the same thing? That the gospel has the power to make us like Jesus today in 2024. When we make, you know, 2024 makes Crete look like a Gaither homecoming concert, right? Like it's just, we haven't gotten better. If anything, we've gotten worse. And so I want you, as we go back to this passage and before I read it, I want you to pay attention to God's action in these verses as compared to our action. Starting in verse four, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. You see, God does the appearing. He does the saving, the washing, the renewing, the justifying, the making us heirs of his eternal kingdom. And if he could have renewed us any other way, he wouldn't have had to come to earth. If he could have just beamed down rules and regulations, habits to follow, to make us new. He would have, but he knew the law was not enough. He had to come down for us to save. We don't renew ourselves. He must come and do the renewing. Marie Kondo uh, became famous, right? She is world famous for tidying up. Uh, She's a multi-gazillionaire for helping people declutter their homes and ultimately their lives. And I saw this uh, headline recently that made me chuckle. Check this out. 
Marie Kondo admits that she's kind of given up on tidying up after having three kids. Now, I thought this was satire, but it's not. I thought this was like Babylon Bee or something, or The Onion. This is Marie Kondo's renewal. This is her transformation. Her children changed her. That's what happens. It's relationship is what brings about renewal. Relationship is what changes us ultimately. You remember the demon-possessed man in Luke chapter 8. He was called Legion because a legion of demons had uh, possessed him and had taken control of his life. And he dwelt among tombs, and chains could not hold this man. He was so strong that nobody wanted to get near this man. Darkness had overrun his life. He was isolated and alone. Imagine the trauma that this man had endured. And then Jesus shows up. And you know the story, he comes running up to Jesus and says, please send these demons, this legion of demons into those pigs on the hillside. And Jesus looks at him and says, I give you permission. And I'm putting those demons in those pigs. I'm setting you free. And look at how this uh, story ends. Verse 15, when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed in his right mind. And they were afraid. This was this man's renewal. When he encountered Jesus, he was transformed. And they were afraid. They had never seen anything like this happen. Religion couldn't do that. The Pharisees were afraid because they had never seen religion, rules and regulations do this. If anything, they kept their distance from this man. He was wild and dangerous, but not Jesus. He comes and sets this man free. When we are in the presence of Jesus, renewal happens. Uh, There's a house near mine. You may have seen it. Um, It's right there on like Hebron and 64 Brevard Road in Hendersonville. And it was there one day and then it was just gone the next. They had just come in with a big bulldozer and taken it out within literally a day. It was crazy. And uh, Paul Tripp uh, said this, you know whether a house will be remodeled or condemned based on the size of the equipment in the front yard. (laughs) Jesus never comes to condemn us, but to transform us. And how does he do that? He does it with his gracious presence. When he comes into your life, when you encounter him by the Holy Spirit, things change. No matter our spiritual condition, Legion teaches us, no matter our spiritual condition, Jesus' presence makes all the difference. We are merely beneficiaries of his receiving and renewing grace. He's the benefactor. Has anyone in the room ever applied for a, a grant? Like, has anyone a grant writer in the room or applied for a grant for your organization? Okay, none of us. Well, you, you know how this works, right? You, you get someone who can write well, um, and you, you basically make an appeal 
to uh, the ones that have all the money that you need, that your organization needs. And you know, typos are frowned upon. It needs to be immaculate, right? It needs to be the best it could possibly be to ask these people that have all the money, that have what you need, um, to appeal to them for what you need. At the end of the day, though, a grant is a gift. It's a gift from someone who can give you what you need. What I want to say is that we are granted renewal and transformation by the Spirit. We don't cause it. We don't earn it. We are given renewal. We receive renewal. But unlike writing a grant, we cannot impress Jesus. We cannot impress God. We don't clean ourselves up, say, I really deserve this, Jesus. I've been really doing a good job lately with this or that, or I've been going to church a lot, or I've been reading my Bible a lot. All we can do is admit that these other renewal projects of the world cannot deliver on their promises to make us new and to make us flourish. They can change us for a while, but they cannot ultimately save us. Nothing else is working. When we say that to him, he will come. All we can do is ask to be made new again. But we must seek the renewer. Psalm 63, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty for change? Jesus says, come. If you're thirsty, come. He renews, he fills thirsty, hungry people. And when we thirst after Jesus, we experience something that changes us from the inside out. And that's what we're going to look at next, what renewal does. I want to just briefly drill down on two words in verse uh, 5. Paul says, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Spirit, whom He poured on us richly through Jesus Christ. Just two two things I want to highlight that the Spirit does the regenerating work of the Spirit and the renewal of the Spirit. So literally in the Greek it says that Paul, or the, Paul says that God saved us not by our own works, but according to his mercy, by a bath of regeneration and the renewal of the Spirit, whom he poured out on us. Regeneration is a one-time experience of being made a new creation in Christ. When we repent of our sin, when we repent of our sin and we place our faith in Jesus, this one-time um, experience of new birth, as it's often called, happens. This regeneration. It's this one-time experience of someone formerly a slave to his or her desires who by the Spirit of God is made into a new person whose life is now lived for Jesus rather than self. That's the new birth. That's regeneration, that we are bathed, saturated in his mercy forever, which is symbolized in our baptism, which is why baptism is a one-time deal, because it's a symbol, it's a sign of this regenerating work of Christ through the Spirit. And here in Titus, regeneration is about rebirth, right? Present and past for many of you. You've already been born again, many of you. But in Matthew 19, the only other place this word shows up, it's a picture of a future regeneration that's much larger than just me and you. It's a regeneration Jesus calls of the new world to come. 
He calls it the new world. You see, his new life doesn't just apply to you and to your story. It will one day soon, I believe, apply to the whole world, to the whole cosmos will be made new when he comes again. Where every tear will be wiped away and where death and darkness will die. Past and, refu- and future regeneration is ours in Christ. We are bathed in new life forever. This is what Paul is helping us see. This is what Jesus is helping us see. But here in the middle of our past regeneration, when we place, first placed our faith in Christ and the future regeneration of the whole world, in the middle is this ongoing process called renewal that we are all supposed to be in. This ongoing process process of and state of renewal. This word renewal is only found in the New Testament in one other place, Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Literally, it means be always transforming by the renewal of your mind. It's, again, this Unlike regeneration, it's, something, it's not something that happens once, like regeneration is, but it's an ongoing process by which the Spirit refines us into someone better, namely into the image of Jesus. And to become someone who lives to please Him rather than trying to prove ourselves to Him, as Patrick said last week. This is what renewal does, to make much of Jesus and less of ourselves. But we know this, that the renewal that Jesus brings, if you've experienced him before, if you experience the renewing work of, of the Holy Spirit, it can be painful. It can be uncomfortable to become like Jesus, our suffering Savior. And we can be tempted to give up on Jesus' renewal project. But we must understand something very important about renewal itself, and that is that it's seasonal. Renewal is a seasonal experience. Uh, My brother lives in San Diego where it's always sunny and 70 degrees. I'm not jealous at all. And I I asked him one time, you know, what's it like to live in in a place where there's one season? And he's like, what's it like to live in a place where there's one taco spot? (laughs) He was just giving me a hard time. He, He actually misses the seasons a lot, you know, because life is seasonal, Life with Jesus is seasonal too. And San Diego, places like that, it, it kind of gives you this sort of feeling like life should always be sunny and beautiful and full of tacos, if only. But we know this, that it's not always springtime. It's not always a beautiful day. And there will be times when you feel like you're in a drought. There'll be times when your soul is dry and it feels like a desert. But, his gra- but by his grace, there will be times when it feels like spring, summer. And there will even be times when it's a super bloom. The Atacama Desert in Chile is one of the driest places on earth. For years, the Atacama Desert is the driest, most dead place in the world. No vegetation, no rain, nothing growing until once every five to seven years, the desert experiences a phenomenon known as the Atacama Desert Bloom when it rains finally really hard. 
and there's this burst of colorful flowers um, that literally explode on the landscape. This bloom usually occurs again after a period of unusually heavy rainfall, which triggers these dormant seeds to germinate and grow into these incredibly colorful flowers. And John Tyson uh, says this about this phenomenon. He said, we believe the super bloom of the Chilean desert is an imaginative picture for our time of what revival in our context could look like. Why did Jesus come? Why did he die? Why was he raised from the dead? Why did he send his spirit? So we could bloom. So that we could team with his life forever. He wants us. He's actually given us the power in the spirit to explode with vitality and to say to a dying world, there is life, the abundant life in Jesus. That's what the spirit wants to do in us if we only come humbly. Isaiah 57, I dwell in the high and holy place, but also with the contrite and lowly of heart. I will revive that person. Isaiah 55, come all who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy and milk without money and without cost. Do you want to flourish? You just have to come. You just have to want him. Last year, I got to go to Asbury. You've heard me talk about it before. And what was so profound about those 24 hours in that, in that college chapel was the spiritual hunger in that room. And a few of our um, students um, just went to Passion this past weekend. And there were like 60,000 college students in a room. And I, I got to see a few videos of it. And it was reminded me of Asbury, except way cooler lights and way bigger bands and all that. But the same heart, this hunger after God, a thirst after his presence, saying the world's way of renewal is not working. Money and success do not change me from the inside out like I was promised that they would. Going to the best schools does not transform me and does not fill the, the ache and the deep hole inside my heart. Only Jesus can. So if you're thirsty, come and drink and have him drench you with his presence. Um, before we close, I want to look at who spiritual renewal is for and some simple ways that we can pursue it. So who it's for. Our passage ends this way. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. What's Paul saying? Spiritual renewal is not just good for you. It's actually profitable for all people in your spheres of influence. When you get renewed, other people win. Other people flourish too. Your families will flourish 
when you are being renewed by the power and presence of the Almighty God. When you've humbled yourselves and saying, I need help. Everybody else wins. Your spouses, your children, your coworkers, your roommates will benefit. But remember, we will not experience renewal by following the same patterns of life and ministry that aren't delivering renewal. And so I, I want to show you this really short clip of a guy who experienced renewal um, in an unexpected way. And then I'll give you just two points of application to close. If I'm honest, I never really liked the church. I didn't even really like Christians that much. I used to think of it like a package deal. Like you get Jesus and so you get the church and Christians thrown. It's just part of the package. And uh, there are some bits you like Jesus, some bits you don't like so much. Just like the church and Christians um, used to find that a bit annoying. But I'd turn up the church and go through it. But I didn't really enjoy going to church. And then one day uh, I was at the back of our church in East London and someone said to me, oh, we need help to run the coffee team. And I was like, I was like working like 70, 80 hour a week. I'm like, what? And they were like, yeah, we, Steve, we really need your help running the coffee team on a Sunday. And I was thinking, I'm a barrister, I'm not a barista. Like I've got a job, I don't need another job to run the coffee team. But I just, you know, sometimes you, you just can't even think of what to say. So I was like, okay, I'll do it, I'll do it, okay. And, and I instantly thought, why did I do that? So I turn up next week. Like, you know, trying to get the cups and everything, get the coffee right. As I handed these cups to people, something really changed in me. I found myself, as I handed coffee to these people, growing in love for them. I was like, these people are amazing. Like, this is this extraordinarily diverse community. It's been gathered from across the area, probably not another place that looks as diverse and integrated as this. This is a miracle. And then I, even people I found a little bit more frustrating and complicated, as I handed them their coffee, I kind of grew in love with them. And I kind of basically fell in love with the church. And then I kind of went back to the person who'd asked me to do it. I said, we need a new coffee machine. We need better beans. We need better mugs. Like, we, come on, these are amazing people. I want this to be the best coffee that they get. You know, they, they're coming to church on a Sunday morning. I got more and more passionate. I started to build a team to serve coffee on a Sunday morning. I sometimes say, Making coffee changed my life because I fell in love with the Church of Jesus Christ. I didn't realize why it was special. I didn't realize why it mattered. And as I made coffee for people, I suddenly realized, oh, the church is like the bride of Jesus Christ. It's like the thing he gave himself for. Like the church is God's plan for the salvation of the world. There's no plan B and God is gonna build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So like, God is putting all his eggs in the church basket. And I realized over those few weeks, there's a beautiful thing here. Yes, it messes up. Yes, it makes mistakes. You'll never find a perfect church, but it's a beautiful thing. And I thought, that's what I want to spend my life building. God loves coffee, yeah, that's right. So just two things, just like he was saying, when we participate in what God is doing in his renewing work here, it actually is part of our own renewal. You don't cause your renewal, but you can participate in it. And so this year, if you're not already involved in something at our church, there's so many things for you to get connected to. If you're not already serving our children, our cafe, see what happened to this guy. 
you're not serving, the youth needs a lot of help too. There's so many spaces for you to serve. And that could be part of your renewal this year. Participate in what Jesus is renewing around here. Imagine what he might do. And then finally, seek the renewer daily. You must seek his face. If you want to be renewed, you must spend time with the only one who can renew you from the inside out. Not to prove yourself to him, but to please him. To be in his presence. To say, yet again, here I am, needing you and needing your grace. Spend time in his word and in prayer. Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. And get to know his voice this year. The only way you're going to know his voice is if you know his word. So spend time in his word every day. If you need a plan, email me. I'm doing it. I'm doing a plan with some guys here. Email me. We'll, we'll get you set up to be in his word every single day. But let's seek him so that we can bloom for him. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, that is our desire. To team with your life. You came so that we would live forever with you. You died so that we could live the abundant life. I just ask for every heart, the ones that are cynical this morning, that maybe look at the church and and just see a dead tree, a desert. Lord, I pray that you would rain your grace upon them this morning. And Lord, that we would become a community that is known for life. And it's the life that comes by your presence. That we wouldn't be known for flashy this or, or cool that, but that we would be known for your presence. For it's in your presence that there's fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And so come and do that renewing work in us this year, Lord. Won't you revive us again? Make that the cry of our hearts. That we would seek you every day and to know your voice. That we would glorify you and be a prophet for all people. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.